0: This podcast does not constitute financial or investment advice. It is for educational, general information and entertainment purposes only. Please consult with your own financial advisor before making any financial decisions.
1: people are going to fail at life, right? You're going to fail exams, you're going to fail a job interview, you're going to fail. But how do you turn that into a positive And how do you turn that into a learning experience, right? To make it better to either help someone else or to better yourself. So that's really a focus of what we talked about, you know, overcoming those challenges. And to be honest, I see a a no or a a failure as opening up a new opportunity for me and opening up a new door and jumping on that, you know, opportunity.
0: You're listening to Banking on Girls, the podcast that explores the importance of financial literacy for girls and young women. And I'm your host, Marina Batmiwala. Join me on this journey to uncover insights and inspiration. Hi, everyone. My guest today is Sonia Ottaway, a Chartered Accountant and Director at one of the big four accounting firms in the world. She's also the founder of Netball America and its unique Be an Inspiration program, which provides opportunities to children for leadership, teamwork, and physical fitness, all the while helping improve self-esteem with a focus on anti-bullying and cultural understanding. Sonia's career has led her to speak all over the world, at the Oprah Winfrey Leadership Academy in South Africa, alongside the U.S. Ambassador in Uganda, and in Europe, Japan, and Australia. She's competed in South Korea's World Hapkido Self-Defense Championships, trained with monks in the South Korean mountains, swam with great white sharks. She's even ridden Arabian horses in Egypt and driven Formula One cars in Las Vegas. Sonia graduated with a Bachelor of Business with Honours from Central Queensland University in Australia and has spent over 25 years in the field of audit and risk. Welcome, Sonia. Hi, Marina, and thanks for having me today. Sonia, you are one of the most widely accomplished people I know, and in your own words, you lead an exciting, exhausting, exhilarating, and inspirational life. In addition to being an accountant, you have simultaneously had a whole other career as the founder of Netball America. You're also a three-time black belt, and you yourself represented the United States in the World Netball Championships. On top of all that, you speak fluent Japanese. So let's go back and start from the beginning. When you were at school as a young girl in a small town in Queensland, Australia, were you good at math? Did you always want to be an accountant? Well, the
1: simple answer is no and no. <laughs> I didn't even know really what an accountant was or or maybe I was more thinking you were trapped in a you know financial services type industry where you had to work in a bank or in a, for an insurance company. But we can talk more about that later and and opportunities there for accountants. But you know going back to school, I was terrible at maths. I hated it. And to be honest, I'm still not a big fan of it at all. And I actually failed maths. So, yeah, there was a period there I failed maths. Even as I went later through my accounting career, there was a tax module as well. I failed along the way.
0: It's so important that you're telling us that you failed math, because I think that's a really important part of having a growth mindset. It obviously didn't stop you pursuing your dream or pursuing career opportunities later on.
1: Yeah. And I didn't know what I wanted to do at school. Even when I graduated high school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So, you know, I just went through the motions pretty much of, you know, going to the math class, going to English, and playing sport and
0: just getting through school. So, there's definitely a stereotype when people think of accountants that you clearly do not fit that mold, Sonia.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, there's a lot of opportunities out there for accountants, more than you could imagine. And I could spend all day, you know, talking about it. But it was interesting recently, I spoke to some university students and what I did was I put up on the screen some pictures from my trips with work and asked them what I did for a career. And they were accounting majors and law majors. And they said to me, they were guessing like flight attendant, travel agent. They came up with all these things. And when I said I was an accountant, they were all blown away. And what was funny was after my Beach, that following Monday, the professor from the college called me and said, "You know, the students really enjoyed having you speak to them, but now our law students want to all switch over to accounting majors."
0: <laughs> okay, so the pictures you put up there were what? They were pictures of you swimming with the great white sharks, or yeah, like swimming with the great white
1: sharks in South Africa, like riding oxen in Thailand, <laughs> yeah, just you know, from all the adventures over the world, you know, scuba diving in Australia or wherever it was that you know my career has taken me
0: one of the great things about this career you have is that it's transportable across borders from country to country and not all professional careers are that way yeah
1: i was lucky you know it not only got me from australia to the us here permanently but i've also been able to go and work in so many countries all over the world and Unlike some of my other friends who are in, you know, other professions or careers, whether it's a doctor or a nurse or a teacher or a lawyer, they haven't been able to as easily just pick up and and go to another country and work in their chosen career. So it is very flexible and every business and every industry needs an accountant. Like you can't imagine. So it's not about limiting yourself, just which I did in the beginning thinking I would have had to work in a bank
0: or for a, you know, insurance company. Right. And so tell us some of the highlights and perks of your career. Obviously, all this travel, any particular place or experience stand out to you? First
1: of all, it's great being for a, you know, a big four accounting firm because I got get to see a lot of industries, a lot of companies from, you know, the Fortune 500, you know, global down to the small mums and pop shops, right? And you get to hear from them and experience, you know, their pain and their losses, but also help them along the way, right? So that's helped me as a person. But really, the profession now, it's really about being a people person, Right. And so I love it. And so that's why, you know, I just got back from a trip. I was in South Africa for a couple of weeks. But, you know, I, I go in and meet these people for the first time and we're having to work together side by side, you know, two weeks. And there were long hours. There was tough questions. There was tough things we had to deal with as a team. But it really, you know, being able to help them in the teaming environment and us coming together to meet an objective was really, for me, it was the most inspirational. Like I learned a lot from them and I know they learned a lot from me. So we both grew together as people, which to me, that makes me happy.
0: Right. And, you know, there's a whole other side to your career. A long time ago, you and I were on the board of the American Australian New Zealand Association in Los Angeles for many years. And I was very sorry at that time to see you leave the board but you left the board to start your own not-for-profit organisation, Netball America, and that has now grown into something extraordinary. What was your vision for that and how has it grown?
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, people probably won't know what Netball is, but that's what I'm working to change. But, you know, as I grew up in Australia and for predominantly girls that grow up in Commonwealth countries around the world, like England or South Africa or Hong Kong, it's the number one women's team sport. So its roots stems from women's basketball. So back in 1895, when the basketball rules were written, at the time it wasn't cool for a woman to be an athlete, nor was it cool for, you know, women wear long dresses and hoops. So they couldn't really dribble the basketball. So they called it women's basketball, but essentially it was a passing game where you have three seconds to pass the ball and there's no ball hogs. So there's no dribbling. The people have to pass the ball to each other on the court. So using each other in a teaming environment. So that's essentially what it is. And so I know I got a lot of my life lessons from that sport. And that's what with introducing netball here, we found there was a big gap, first of all, especially for girls to get involved in sport, because a lot of the other sports were getting rough, or they felt like they had to be tall, right, or very coordinated to play. Whereas netball captures all ability levels, all size and height levels, and allows everyone to be involved in the game. So the inclusiveness, there was just a big gap for it. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, even I played netball in, in school, but it's a very fast game because you have to release the ball in one and a half steps and in three seconds. So you have to think really quickly. Yeah, exactly. And so that's what our Be
1: an Inspiration program is targeting is taking those lessons from sport, such as you mentioned, decision making. In netball, you have three seconds to make a decision to pass the ball. In real life, as you know, Marina, we often get three seconds to make a decision, right? It could be on the the school field, right, back at school. It could be at college or, or in our careers at home. But then how do you know how to make the right decision in that shorter time? And so we provide a lot of the tools to the kids to help getting them into how to make a decision especially subject to peer pressure right which is a big challenge these days especially the young girls face.
0: Yeah this must be a very valuable resource to so many parents and you're working in low-income areas as well.
1: Yep and we're focused on low-income areas across the United States but it's also expanded
0: internationally as well so we're very excited about that. You spoke at the Oprah Winfrey Academy in South Africa. What was the topic? At
1: Ofra School, which was actually quite an amazing school to visit and and the setup and giving those girls, you know, scholarships to attend that, that was an amazing experience to understand what she's done there. But I spoke to them about how sport, because netball's their number one sport there, and how netball can help them in their studies, right, and in life. And probably two of the biggest messages I did deliver was one around the teaming aspect of it. And I know I've been part of a woman's national sporting team and I could write a book about how women are horrible to each other Okay, because it happens, right? But we talked about the teaming within the sports and how that also applies to them in, in their school life and helping each other. And the other area we talked about was disappointment. And we talked about it's not always about winning the championship or winning the game or being on the court the whole time. Right. So we talked about how those lessons transport into school, like when I failed math. Right. People are going to fail at life. Right. You're going to fail exams. You're going to fail a job interview. You're going to fail. But how do you turn that into a positive and how do you turn that into a learning experience? Right. Right to make it better, to either help someone else or to better yourself. So that's really a focus of what we talked about, you know, overcoming those challenges. And to be honest, I see a, a no or a, a failure as opening up a new opportunity for me and opening up a new
0: door and jumping on that, you know, opportunity. That's a great way to approach life, Sonia. And I think everything that you've built is a, is a testament to that. How do you think about money or how did you think about money when you were growing up in your family in Queensland, Australia?
1: So, you know, we had a family, you know, there were six of us, so four kids. So I just can't imagine, you know, now it makes me think, oh my goodness, I don't know how mum and dad did it, to be honest. You know, putting us through private school, putting us through swim lessons and, you know, music lessons and sport lessons. So it makes me appreciate you know, the opportunities I was given at the time. But, you know, it was always for my parents definitely honest to earn money, right, to go out and earn. And so I did that as young as I could. I was out whether it was, you know, helping mum in the catering business or or and I love netball, so I, you know, wanted to learn to become an umpire. So to have a young, I was a young 12, 13 teenage umpire, umpiring adults, You know, for me, I felt very empowered by that. So it wasn't so much about earning the money for me. I loved actually earning the experience. I also did a lot of volunteering, which was great. I, you know, helped the special needs kids. You know, I would take them shopping once a week. You know, I would go with my auntie and we would play you know, the organ and piano duets together at the old people's homes. Like, to me, they're the most memorable experiences, you know, I still have today. And so for me, that earned a lot of enrichment and empowering. And I think it's made me more, you know, the person I am today.
0: Right. So they really empowered you to earn and to share and give back. Yeah. Now, looking back, what do you think are the most important money lessons you've learned in your life and and possibly in your career that you're going to pass on to your daughter?
1: Yeah, so that's, you know, great. I have a, you know, little three-year-old now. She just turned three. But I think one of the things definitely she'll learn is about lending money to friends. That's never really ended well for anyone, (laughs) And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who have similar experience, but I think if you do, or in a situation where you do lend money to friends, I really think you should not expect to get it back. (laughs) If you do, that's a bonus. But that's probably one of the biggest things, even from a young age or as it transposes into I've seen so many people lend money to people, whether it's, you know, to start up a business or going into a, you know, entrepreneurship together or whatever it is. It really doesn't end well at all. And a lot of times, and I've had it happen to me as well, that friendships don't last through that and you lose a lot of good friends that you may have been friends with for a long time over money.
0: That's very practical advice and that's not something people often talk about, Sonia. So thank you for sharing that. And I do think that, you know, obviously it's okay to help someone out and give them money if they really need it. But as you say, you know, the the key is not to expect it back.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Otherwise you will be disappointed and, you know, lose friendships over it. What advice do you have to other mums and parents raising girls in today's world? Well, it's never too
1: early to start, right? And you think about all the different things you do with your kids as they grow up, because that's what we're here for, right? To guide them and and teach them. But, you know, we just bought our three-year-old a little ice cream cart for her birthday where she pushes it along and says ice cream and, and we've got this, you know, fake money. And so we'll take turns. We'll have her sell us the ice cream where we give her the money. So we make her count it out because she can count now. And then vice versa, I'll be selling the ice cream to her and she'll pick her toppings. And then we'll give her, ask for the money saying, you know, we need uh $5 bucks right? with inflation ice cream $5 dollar bucks. So we'll make her count it out and then we'll put it over our side. But what's interesting is she then takes the ice cream and she reaches over and grabs her money <laughs> and tries to take it back.
0: We're like, "No, no, no, I keep the money." So very teachable moment, very teachable moment. And we've talked on this podcast about the fact that it's never too early and we've talked about teaching kids from the age of five, but you've set yeah. the new record teaching your daughter from the age of three, which is really sweet and a really teachable, enjoyable way of doing it, I think. Sonia Odaway, thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Banking on Goals podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate the podcast and be sure to hit subscribe or follow so you can receive notifications of new episodes. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and at bankingongirls.com.